when I'm stalking them, I take a few, when I know I'm getting close, I take a few steps and I pretty much scan everything I can see in every bush in front of me. Well, I, I looked in the one bush that I thought she might be in and she wasn't there. So then I scanned over to the other and boom, I can see ribs. I'm like, okay. And that's all I can see is ribs. I'm like, that's gotta be the doe. I mean, that's exactly where she was bedded and exactly how she was bedded. So I ranged that bush and it was 30 yards. She, The bush she was in was 30 yards. And I'm like, geez, I'm way too close. By the time he locked in on me, my pin was locked in on him. And so I released and uh, I heard it hit him and he just blew out of there. And, you know, he started running sort of up the ridge. But I mean, I could only see him probably 25, 30 yards before he was out of sight in that thick oak queue. And he, then he, he, I didn't see him roll off into the canyon, but I, I sort of took a few steps forward. And then I caught him running through that, the bottom of the canyon. And then he, and he, uh, he stops and then he, and he just falls right over. So I was like, well, that's it for January. And he's literally walking right to me. Not walking, just take like two or three steps kind of with this. I'm, he was feeding him. And he, he lifts his head. And and so I don't draw. I'm just kind of dead still. He lifts his head and doesn't look. He kind of looks maybe because I'm, I'm up above him. So he looks kind of, you know, down in the vicinity of my feet. And then he just kind of turns and looks to the left. And I just draw really slow. And he just never saw me draw. And, uh, and then he kind of turns his face back towards me. And I just settle that pin right at the top of his chest, right at the base of his neck. And I and I touch it off and it just buries into him and, and he you know, like knocks him back and he drops onto his butt. We had two deer right across the canyon from us, you know, probably 1200 yards away, but they were in a bowl where we were just gonna be able to kill either one of them. I mean, that's just anything could have gone wrong, but very high likelihood of killing either one of them where they were at. Uh, we just needed to get over there. Or this deer where the likelihood of finding him down in that giant canyon it was going to be very difficult purely because of how physical it was going to be to get an angle to look into that stuff and then how big it is i mean that that, that big north face that he walked on uh, that canyon it, it, you know that canyon runs for miles it's huge you know surely he wasn't going to go for miles but there's so many cuts and pockets and you know they just disappear if you don't disappear if you can't keep an eye on them hey guys real quick before we get into this episode i need you to do me a couple of favors First, go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howlful Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care. But be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. So you're done for January? Yeah, yeah. No, but no buddies, no. Well, you got guiding any? Um, my, we have a client right now. One of my guides, Shane, is is guiding him. Kind of sucked though. First two days, he was getting. We got the rain, and then today it was weird. I didn't know about this. He never told me about it, and then actually didn't even tell Shane about it until last night. Um, he pretty much missed out on three quarters of the day. He just hunted that very last part of the afternoon. He had to like dip out. He's like, I got to go to a work meeting. So he left to a work <laughs> meeting and came back. It's crazy. So, huh. yeah, I don't know. 
it does. I don't know. You know, he's tomorrow's his last day. I was hoping he would at least get a pig this afternoon, but I haven't talked to Shane yet, and it's seven o'clock. So I'd have to imagine if I hadn't gotten a text by now that uh, more than likely he he did not get one. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Was he hunting mule deer? He was just hunting deer, but mostly. I mean, he wanted a mule deer. But uh, they went and looked at some coos. Yeah, Shane actually found him a really coos buck, good coosie buck. And, um, you know, just real heavy. He's actually got three by two, actually. But he's probably still going to make like 100 inches. He's got a giant frame on him. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what tomorrow brings, I guess. Part of me was thinking about running down there to go help him out for the day. But now... I don't think it's going to happen because of work and shit. It was just too, just too busy. Next week, I told my cousin Anthony that I'd spend some time with him. And Shane also was like, hey, you know, when I get back, you got to give me at least a day or two, solid day or two to get out. And I said, all right, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> the wife is kind of content with the fact that I don't have a tag anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mine's, mine's uh shares the same thoughts so so um yeah if you didn't recognize his voice i'm on the uh i'm on the line with uh, creed and uh he was just on not what a couple weeks ago i think you were on right Month ago. yeah uh, it's been it's probably been a few months I yeah yeah so yeah it just seems like it was yesterday but it was yeah it was it was a couple months yeah. ago Hunting season, two months of hunting season feels like three days of normal. Right. Time. It goes, I mean, I feel like December and January, oh, between the holidays and the hunting just goes by so fast. Yeah. It's crazy because I put in like, I got to say at least 10, 10, 12 solid days of hunting in December. Didn't get one, but. I also didn't find what I wanted to shoot, really. Um, and that, I mean, 12 days, that's a long time. Like, yeah, you know, it didn't feel like it was that. I should say 12 mornings. I was only hunting yeah. in the morning. I only, I, had, I think I hunted maybe one or two afternoons, and that was it. It was all pretty much just the mornings. I was like, all right, I'm going to get up, get out, go, you know, hit the morning spot, and then... Even if I'm on a deer, unless it's like one of my target bucks or something, 12 o'clock, I'm going to call it and I got to head back and take care of work. Plus, we have family in town and stuff. It was pretty, you know, that time of year. So, Well, you you made up for it in January. What a, what a cool buck. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I originally found that buck last year. And I want to say he was bigger. I think he was bigger. And he definitely had a cheater that he didn't have anymore this year. There was a cheater. So he's got like a, it's weird. He's got a fifth on the front on the, was it the right side? The right side for, uh, front has a fifth off the main beam. And then the left side back has a fifth coming off the main beam. So on that left side fifth coming off the back, he, there was a little cheater point on him last year that he didn't have this year. Mm. Um, he was just a cool, you know, real tall, 
not a wide buck by any means. It's kind of narrow, actually, but really heavy, heavy horn. And I called him Megatron because he <laughs> he looked exactly like I thought for sure in my head when I saw him last year that he was the offspring of a buck that I chased around in like 2017, 2018. I can't remember. 2017, I think it was. And I mean, literally in the same area, almost the same characteristics looked, I mean, they could have been the same buck, but I know it's not possible because of the amount of years that had passed by. And um, the story, what happened with that buck was I, I was by myself. I stalked him, and I kind of got it in range, and he was just moving this door around. And I ranged up, I ranged up this bush that the doe was behind, and she stepped out, and then she trotted off to another like another bush. So I thought he was going to step out, stop and do that. So he, but he didn't. So he just immediately went to that other bush. And then I went to go rearrange and my rangefinder was dead. <laughs> and I was freaking out, you know, like, you know, it's so crazy. Cause I never used a rangefinder for, I mean, I don't know, probably till 2000 and four maybe i mean i don't even yeah maybe maybe 2001 i don't remember but it was in the 2000s at some time that i end up getting a rangefinder and you know i still very proficient at 3d and all that stuff i'm and when i hunt coyotes i sit down and i range a few things and i got some ideas of what ranges are but they come running in from wherever the hell they want to come running in from. And I guess, and you know, I would say seven out of 10 times I'm, I'm right on, you know? <laughs> so I don't know why I was freaking out, but I was freaking out. I'm like, fuck, I don't know the range. And, um, yeah, I never ended up shooting that buck. And mm. for whatever reason that the spot that he's in, there, if if he hangs out in a certain area, you can't see him from any of the glassing points, and it's really tough. It's like you'd have to you have to basically go like I don't want to say ridge to ridge because they're not even ridges. They're like roller to roller to have to pick him back up. And I don't really hunt well that way. That way. Um. Anyway, so I never got back on that buck. I never ended up killing that buck. I don't even think anybody ever ended up killing that buck. So I don't know what ended up happening to him. So when I saw this one last year, I was like, oh, shit, it's Megatron. But then I'm like, no, can't be. You know, that, that was five years ago. This, this buck's at least six, maybe seven years old. Uh, it turns out he was actually even older. But The uh, buck you just killed? Yeah. Yeah. He had no, no teeth at all on the top. Buried little on the bottom. Um, wow. So he's probably, I have no clue, but I would imagine. I was, I'm probably going to have him aged, but I would say he's probably closer to that eight, eight mark. Anyway, so when I had seen him last year, that's why I named him Megatron anyway. But um, yeah, so I hunted him. I stalked him like two times last year. And then I got COVID. And my whole year was shot. My whole January was shot, I should say. I had shot a coos deer in December. 
So I didn't end up hunting the rest of January. And then all this December, I kept looking for them. And every time I'd go out to glass, there was another group of guys that kept beating me. No matter how early I woke up in the morning, they kept beating me out to the spot where I knew I had to be to see them from. And I caught, I ended up catching a glimpse from him from, from another glassing spot. So I knew he was back in there. I, I stalked him uh, one time with my cousin, Paul, and I don't know. He disappeared on me. I don't know what ended up happening. I didn't have radios or anything that day, and I don't know. I don't really don't know what ended up happening. Then I, I had another encounter with him. Then it was, what, January 6th I shot him? Yeah, January 6th. So, hey, John, so did those guys, do you think they knew about the same buck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they told me. So, turns out he had a a wound in his back right leg. And I saw that. He wasn't limping the time that I saw him before it. And the next time, you know, this the morning that I shot him, I saw he was kind of limping a little bit. And I was like, man, I think he's, I think he's hurt. You know, I think his back leg is hurt or something. And I could kind of catch a little, you know, little old blood patch down real low, real low, like below the knee, if you'll call it, you know? And yeah, it turns out that that guy didn't have time to range. He had got on him, didn't have time to range, and he took a shot and he shot low and he hit him. Uh, he was trying to take a quarter away shot, which even if he would have hit at the right height based on where that was at, because it was in his rear leg, unless his leg was forward, I don't know. But if it was leg was... You know, he probably would have hit him in the hip. So I don't know, but I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened. But I I was told that he was that he was hit. That somebody had taken a shot at him. And honestly, in the area that I killed him in, the last like couple of years is man. He, I used to have the place to myself. Has been crazy pressure, and I don't. I'm not really sure why, but there's a lot of people in there, and I feel like every buck we saw had some kind of wound on it of some sort. They're all limping. Uh, it, was, it was, it's not a good look for bow hunters. Is, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, and I'm, believe me, I'm not one to get on my soapbox about that because I've, I've, uh, you know, I've had, unfortunately now my fair share of, uh, of wound jobs, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not a good look. I I think I think this quota um, because it's not even there, just there. I noticed this in the other. I, I was in, I hunted six units in one week, Jeez. and yeah, I was all over freaking place when Charles was out here, and I saw it in other units too. And I was like, I feel like maybe the quota makes people more desperate. Like you yeah, feel like you the- you for, you have to force it. You're like, oh yeah. shit, this unit's gonna freaking close. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta kill this buck. I'm never gonna see this buck again. You know? Yeah, I, I think because I, even even myself, I went, I mean, I wasn't. I don't know if I was thinking about the unit, but I was thinking about the pressure that was there. I was like, man, it's now or never. If I, if I don't take this shot, because I, I even myself on him, like I took a little bit. I didn't take a high percentage shot, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, it's not something somebody would normally take. Like I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to, you know, this is how I am. I tell everybody everything. So, but, um, 
Yeah, I shot him in the neck because that's the shot I had. And I knew... So, I and ma- he, he was broadside? He was quartering, quartering to me. And I had made this shot on elk. I've made the shot on deer. Matter of fact, the last three animals that I killed, I shot, I took the shot because that was the shot I had. Um, so I have confidence in it and I'm a very well-practiced purpose, a person when it comes to archery, but uh, you know, it's again, it's not like, it's not a shot that somebody would suggest you take. So, but I was feeling, I was feeling that way. I was feeling a little like, shit, I need to do this now, or I may not but the reality of it is I probably, if I would have, he didn't know I was there. The doe kind of had an idea something was up or was something was in the area. She was kind of like looking in my direction, but I don't know. Like I could have probably waited to see if something else played out. And it was only January 6th, you know, so I, I don't know. But <laughs> I could tell you right now, I've, at that moment in my in time, I was like, this is it. This is it. I got to do it now. And, um, you know. I settled my nerves. I drew back. I settled my pin, and I killed the deer. So, but oh yeah, I mean just just a cool cool deer. Uh, I, I was I was happy for you when I saw the pictures. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I was ecstatic, man. I was a little worried at first because my cousin Joe was on the radio, and I shot him, and he ran off. And I went over to where the shot was, and the, the arrow was right there. It was full of blood. It was blood immediately, which there usually is when you may take a neck shot anyhow. And, like, I never had to bend over to even look for blood. Like, I just walked straight up and down and just <laughs> followed the blood trail. And I got in, in, in the radio. He was like, man, he went about 200 yards. I'm like, 200 fucking yards. That's crazy. You know? And he's standing there. I could barely see him behind the tree. I'm like, okay. So I went over, like I said, I went over to the arrow. And I just, I hung out there for like 20 minutes. And he had gotten, Joe's like, oh, he's he's moving again. And he's going to go behind this little thing. And I'm not going to be able to see him anymore. Well, so when he did that, in my head, I'm like, shit. Now he's probably like 300 yards away. Well, I go about 60, 70 yards down the trail and I find this giant puddle of blood. I mean, like four foot long by two foot wide, just all just like a, a river of blood. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this, I mean, he must have been seeing another, another deer or something, you know? Um, so that initial 200 yards was like 60 yards. <laughs> I guess it was like the aspect or whatever it was. Yeah. Anyway, so I sat there where that blood was for another half an hour. I didn't have my pack. I dropped my back shit. I don't even know how far back, probably a half a mile back. Uh, So I had no water, no nothing. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit here. No phone service, really. Barely any phone service. I couldn't even like occupy my brain with Instagram or something. But I just sat there and I was actually listening on the radio because Joe was now now that he can see my buck, he went to go help Charles, who was stalking my number two buck, actually. <laughs> so, um, so I just kind of was like listening into that whole 
whole thing and just kind of like keeping my mind off. So another half an hour goes by. I'm like, all right, that's enough time, man. There's, there's so much blood right here. There's no way he's not. And I went like another like 50 or 60 yards and there he was. Uh, it was just like perspective, you know, like perspective that it looked like he ran that far, but it really wasn't that far at all. <laughs> so, but yeah, I was freaking so, out though. So I'm, I'm curious, just listen to the story. Did he, did you say he was alive for 20 minutes? No, 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 he wasn't alive for 20 minutes. No, I mean, he died, he died within seconds likely then. Yeah, he, he died probably within the first flight. I don't know about seconds. I want to say probably... I don't know, four or five minutes, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It, yeah, I'm just kind of like trying to like replay it in my head. Well, I went to the I went to the spot the, where I shot him and I waited there for twenty minutes. And in the you know, while I was waiting there, Joe's like, Oh yeah, okay, now he, he's moving again, you know. And when he moved again, I don't know, that could have been like four or five minutes after me standing there. So I don't know. But when I was following his trail, it's funny because I almost got to him. But right before I got to him, I got to the spot. I'm like, oh my God, there's blood in every direction that tracks. I'm like, he must have been stumbling right here. And then I kind of like looked and I'm like, oh, there's no more blood. I'm like, and I took like five more steps and I'm like, there's no blood. I can't. And I looked up and there he was like in a, like in a little ditch. And I was like, oh shit. I almost stepped on top of him. Yeah, there's probably no blood left in him. No, I, I honestly, I'll I'll send you a, a video clip of that blood spot that I was telling you about. It's like it's freaking crazy, and and honestly, that's how my elk was too in the year before in, in Idaho. I shot him in the neck because, and he was quartering to me as well, and I, I was like, this is a 25 yard shot. I can make this shot all day long on an elk. And yeah, he went about 90 95 yards and he and he died but and the blood trail was just crazy so i don't know i'm it's hard for me to like it's not a it's not a shot i, sh- I don't preach it but i've i've killed antelope i've killed deer i've killed elk now all with that shot so when you when you it, it enters the neck but does it exit the neck also or does it exit it, dep- it, it depends on the, his body so it depends on the angle that they're at if they're giving me a certain angle and I could see the body, then yeah, I'm going to go for where it's going to put it into their, you know, into the vitals. It's going to, it's just going to cross sect them. But if I'm only like this, I can only see his neck. I was aiming to cut, you know, arteries and jugular and all that and the uh, esophagus. And that's what I did. Oh, it's it's definitely deadly if executed. Right, properly. exactly. You know, though it's, but they can move their neck really. I mean, I can hear all the keyboard, you know, <laughs> all the all the keyboard professionals. You know, they can move their neck fast. They can, you know, and you're right, they can. That's why you got to aim lower on the base because that part doesn't really move. Um, if you're aiming up high where their head is, that part moves very quickly. Um, so you getting where you're aiming is, but like even my, I I shot a big buck in South Dakota. He was coming right at me and he threw his head up and he was Fleming behind this doe. And I, I shot him in the throat patch and he dropped right there and there. And it's like a sack of potatoes when they're straight on like that. Cause you're going to get the spine too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he just, you know, he died instantly. 
So it's basically like a decapitation without actually decapitating them. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm making myself look really bad here. So <laughs> you know, I well, I, I mean, I could tell you this up until probably well 2019, and these were not crazy shots. These were all broadside shots. One of them was a little long, but up until 2019, I I've had I've had wounded maybe. This might sound like a lot, but seven or eight deer, maybe seven or eight animals. Even let's even let's say let's ten on the high end, and I've been hunting since I'm five years old, so I have a pretty good track record. And if I made a bad shot, usually I've been able to follow up, track them down, follow them up. Yeah. So yeah, and and, but, and you hunt quite a bit more than the average guy i mean you hunt multiple states per year multiple species per year so it yeah. seems yeah i i know it's hard not to sound like a complete dickhead boasting and and like i'm beating my own my own chest but i've killed i don't really know anymore but the last time i counted was like 167 big game animals with my bow <laughs> jeez so like so let's say even if it's 15 it's still less than 10% of the animals that I've killed that was, yeah. you know, that I wounded. But 2019 was brutal for me, man. I wounded three deer on one hunt. And then 2020 rolled around. I started off the freaking, I started off my year in Argentina and I wounded not one, but three red stags. But the the one caveat to that is, I caught. I was there long enough that I caught up with all three of them and ended up killing all three of them. <laughs> but I wounded them with the first shot. <laughs> so, you know, I, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. I don't know. And it actually made me change my whole setup because I was blaming my broadheads. I was blaming, you know. Yeah. So what what do you, if you don't mind me asking, what are you shooting now, broadhead wise? I, I shoot arrow. A, I shoot an iron will uh, single bevel with the bleeder. I got a lot of confidence in it. I still will shoot. I have I shot Schwacker for many many years. A two inch two blade hundred grain uh, on a you know on a three hundred spine arrow. I have like a four hundred and thirty total grain weight arrow. Um, that's still kind of like my perf- was my preferred deer setup. But I've had such good experience with that single bevel, like my moose, for instance. I, I shot my moose, my first shot, and I say first shot. I didn't need another shot, but I took another shot because he was still on his feet, and that's just the way I am. But my first shot was he was kind of quartering to me at fifty-five yards. I got a pass through. He trotted out to to seventy. And I knocked another arrow real quick, and I shot him the opposite quartering to. And this was even a harder quarter, and it actually came out his back hip, complete pass through both times on a moose. Wow. And what's the arrow weight? 466. Wow. Yeah. 125 grain head with a a 250 uh, spine pierced tore. So not super heavy. We're not talking, you know, all these guys. I went down the heavy FOC thing. I total weight. It really comes down to, in my opinion, I don't like to have less than 280 feet per second. 
So whatever I could build my arrow weight wise too, that's and I, it's all about you know building it to. I like it to be medium, like like happy medium. I don't want it to be super. Doesn't I don't need it to be super fast and loud, and I don't want it to be super slow either. Um, I like it to have a certain amount of speed, and I don't believe in super high FOC. I think fourteen percent maximum of sixteen percent is all you need. Um, I've proven it out in the field many many times, so. Elk, moose, now, deer for sure. But anyway, I, uh, I I'm 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 taking up the whole podcast talking. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're interviewing me. Uh, let's. I want to hear about your hunt, man. That freaking coos buck this year was absolutely amazing. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful look. Uh, so you're you're referring to January? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just great buck that I had some some history with, and it it happened too fast, really. I mean, uh, no regrets, and and he's a great deer, um, but he's a buck that I had found last year, and this deer was living in a place that holds very few coos deer, and and there's starting to be a few more show up there, but finding a good buck there is is I've never. I've never seen one there until I found this deer there last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I almost killed him last year. Uh, I, I got to about 90 yards and I just, I just ran out of, uh, you know, he, I thought I was, I thought I just miscalculated the distance across the, the small ravine that he was bedded next to. Mm-hmm. When I got to the edge of it, it was just too far. I was about 90 yards and mm-hmm. I just don't, I mean, I shoot targets much further than that, but I just don't shoot deer that far or any animal that far. So it, it just didn't work out that day. And and he was a great buck, but it wasn't a buck that I was going to spend my entire January on. So I really only hunted him that one day and then, and then left him alone. And then this year, uh, I thought, you know, I, you know, I've, I've always got like all of these bucks. Like I want to go look at this buck or I I know what this buck is. I've seen them this year. And so I'm going to see what these other bucks look like. Well, this was the first buck because he was really the easiest and, and, uh, easiest to see. And he lived honestly probably closer to my house than any other deer I knew about. So, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to kill him in this spot just simply to say that I've killed a deer in this spot just because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's never really held coos deer. So, and I went there to look for him and, and, uh, I didn't find him until about 11 in the morning, but I found, uh, I found a small buck bedded on a finger and, uh, I just kept, I just kept scanning, kept scanning. And, uh, and, and like, like, you know, most people do, you, I, I would go back and, and put eyes on him again, you know, every five, 10 minutes just to see if he's still there or, or whatever. And, uh, well, I, I scanned back over to him after probably glassing that country for about an hour. And, um, he, uh, he was standing and, um, and then <laughs> like right above him was a much bigger deer. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh geez. Like, 
And and it it didn't take me long to realize it was the buck I was there to find. So you think that buck was there the whole time and you didn't realize? He was there. Yeah, he was for sure there the whole time. (laughs) Uh, I think he was bedded. Well, he he was he was bedded right on the backside of that finger. Okay. Um, And he had a doe. He was bedded with the doe. And this buck was actually just like a satellite buck that was bedded probably a hundred yards from them but there was enough of enough contour in the hill that i couldn't see them from where i was at the bigger buck Mm -hmm. and he just you know when this buck stood up he he walked up the finger just a little bit and the and the big buck uh, must have seen him because he he came over the top of that ridge and was just like you know bristled up and staring at him like you might want to leave you know and and uh and that buck they just stared at each other for a while and then the buck i shot ran him off Mm-hmm. and and then he went back over and i couldn't see him anymore so i went down the i, I assumed he had a doe the way he was acting so i went down the uh the finger that i was on to glass back up that ridge and and uh i could see his doe bedded and i could see him standing there and that smaller buck had walked around underneath them and was just trying to get up there close to that doe and he ran it off again and then he went back up and the small buck finally sort of just drifted off, gave up. And he went back up to that doe and uh, bedded with her, you know, probably 20 yards from her. And, uh, and he stayed there for a pretty good while. And, um, man, I, they were just, they were just in the best spot ever to stock. Uh, just, they were on a finger that came out to a point and they were bedded really right up above that point. And, uh, you know, as I detail, give details about this, all those, the local guys that I know that, you know, they're going to know where it's at. They're going to know, but it's okay. There's a mining road, like an old mining road that's not used anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's, I mean, it's flat. So, uh, it wraps up, it wraps up and just right underneath the, you know, right underneath where they were bedded. Okay. And so this was one of the few times where I felt like I could actually get under them and, and have a shot. And, uh, well, I, I stared at this deer forever. I, I really went there to find him. And then, and then I was really hoping that he had grew a bunch and, and he grew a little, his, uh, his eye guard got longer, but for the most part, he stayed the same. And I, once I found him, I got like, I called a few people in my like inner circle, like, Hey, come kill this deer, come stalk this deer. And, and, uh, everybody's like, I can't make it, man. I can't come out there. And so I was like, well, it looks like I'm stalking him. So, <laughs> you know, we stayed bedded there for probably 20, 30 minutes before I started stalking. And, uh, at this point it was probably 1130. And, uh, I got, I got, you know, I had to go way around them and get on that mining road that kind of swung up underneath them. And, uh, and it was way louder than I thought it would be. So I had to go much slower than I expected. And it was just overgrown mm-hmm. with, it was really rocky and, and, and just really dry yellow grass. And as I got around the, the point that they were bedded on, so at this point I was probably 120 yards from them. And I was starting to sort of get into the canyon that really the face that they were bedded in. I was starting to get into the same canyon they were in. And the wind was not doing what I thought it would be doing, like what it was doing where I was. It was actually blowing up the canyon. Like I, I was getting very close to being straight upwind from them. So I completely backtracked the way I came in. I had to get 
back down the road or back down that road. And then I was going to have to come up and over the top and come down on top of them, which is in most cases what I would do anyways. But this mining road, it just, it was so perfect. Mm -hmm. If the wind would have cooperated, but it just didn't. So the problem is, is when I, when I left, I, you know, I took a bunch of, I memorized a bunch of landmarks and they're going to be, there's this agave and there's this Ocotillo and there's this yucca. Well, all those landmarks were sort of in between where I plant, where I, you know, the path that I was going to take to them. And, uh, well, I mean, I didn't take the same path. So I I was really just kind of going by instinct and where my gut feeling was where they were going to be. So I went up, I went up and over the ridge and, and started coming down onto them. And, uh, it was so loud, just really, uh, you know, really rocky, really dry yellow grass and uh, tons of ocotillo and so it this ended up taking way longer than i anticipated and i was worried because he was running that other buck off that you know they he, they were going to leave right um, but i just didn't have a choice but to go that slow it was that it was just so loud and uh it uh see i shot him at two and I started stalking at 1130 and then this is pretty gradual country so I, I bet I, I bet it took me an hour to cover the last hundred yards I would bet and uh and a few times the the uh the wind just completely died and when it completely died I so just <laughs> oh I just quit moving um I just it, it wasn't going to be possible uh, otherwise so I just completely at like one point I stood in the same spot for 10 minutes oh, and then, and then it, the wind would gust back up and I would try to, you know, try to make up some, make up some uh, country. And, and I, and I eventually got to where I could see, um, like sort of, uh, the, I could start to see that mine road underneath me. So I knew, okay, that, 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 doe has to be bedded in this bush or this bush. And I'm like, by the time I realized I was, there you know before i could see something i recognized i was like really close to them mm-hmm. and uh and the ocotillo was like really thick so it, you know and when i'm stalking them i take a few when i know i'm getting close i take a few steps and i pretty much scan everything i can see in every bush in front of me and uh well i i looked in the one bush that i thought she might be in and she wasn't there so then i scanned over to the other and boom i can see ribs i'm like okay and that's all I can see is ribs. I'm like, that's got to be the doe. I mean, that's exactly where she was bedded and exactly how she was bedded. Mm-hmm. So I ranged that bush and it was 27 yards. Jeez. I'm like, geez. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 30 yards. She, The bush she was in was 30 yards. And I'm like, geez, I'm way too close. But the way that the contour of the hill kind of rolled over, I, if I was going to see them, I was going to have to be that close anyways. But yeah. uh, Especially bedded, right? Okay bedded right yeah and and so and and it's starting to it's not super steep but it's starting to be you know a little steep and uh so i knew where roughly where the buck had last been bedded when i when i had left from her so i started scanning all through there and uh and boom okay i can see a hip and and what looks like a hip but i know it's a deer so and it's just hard to tell, like your perception is, is really is way off when you have 20 plus yards of Ocotillo <laughs> like that you're looking through. So what I, where I thought he was bedded, I ranged that bush and it was 27 yards. Hmm. I'm like, okay. And, and, and so I, you know, I took like two steps to the right and I knew 
I couldn't really see that deer unless I looked in my binoculars, but I knew when he stood up, I was going to have a shot if he didn't, if he, if he stood up and he was broadside. And, uh, so I sat there for just a little bit, it, it, you know, I've been in that situation so many times and sometimes it's two or three hours uh, of, I mean, that's just misery. Cause you, you're so close. I could just about hear you breathe, but right. Um, I, I can't even do it. So how, I'm sorry. How long were you standing there for? I was only there for like probably five minutes. Oh, okay. And then, and then I see him rise and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I'm locked. I'm ready. I wasn't on my knees. Like many times I might be because I knew, I wasn't going to have a shot if, if, you know, because of the way the, uh, the, the brush in front of me grew. Right. So I was just standing and ready and, and I knew he wasn't going to see me unless he stood up. And so I took a gamble staying standing because I was going to be skylined, uh, but I was so close that I didn't really want to be on my knees and then have to stand up and draw back and hope he didn't see that. So I just stayed standing and, uh, you know, after five minutes of being there, he stood up and he's, and he stretched and, uh, and he, and he instantly started looking at that doe, which is pretty common. And I realized he was on my side of that bush and that bush. So that bush was 27 yards and he was like a fair amount on my side. So I didn't even bother ranging him. I knew, I knew instantly I'm shooting 20 and, uh, which is my top pin. And so I drew back and, um, I got anchored without him seeing me draw, but he just, uh, you know, uh, just naturally started to scan and, uh, and saw me in, uh, saw me skyline. So he locked right in on me. And by the time he locked in on me, my pin was locked in on him. Mm-hmm. And so I released and, uh, I heard it hit him and he just blew out of there and, you know, he started running sort of up the ridge but I mean, I could only see him probably 25, 30 yards before he was out of sight in that thick Ocotillo. And he, then he, he, I didn't see him roll off into the Canyon, but I, I sort of took a few steps forward and then I caught him running through that, the bottom of the Canyon. And then he, and he, uh, he stops and then he, and he just falls right over. So I was like, well, that's it for January. So <laughs> I ranged where he was and it was 18 yards. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a, ironically that's the second consecutive January cruiser that I've shot at 18 yards. It's crazy that it works out cause that's way too close to be stalking that. It's just sometimes you don't have an option, but right. I mean, man, it, I, it, it's really, it was that fast and that simple first stock of the year. And, and, uh, you know, I don't have any remorse that's probably the wrong word, but man, it hurts to not have a tag. Just, yeah, I, there's I so many that's deer. Bittersweet, man. It's bittersweet. Yeah, yeah. And I just sometimes, even by Jan, like the end of January, uh, I've got my butt kicked hard enough to where like I feel way more satisfied with the deer of this caliber. Like I, I'm completely satisfied with this deer. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I, I knew of some better deer, and uh, it just it hurts to not have even given myself a chance to go and look at those deer. I just I, I hadn't looked at this deer until until this that morning, you know, yeah. until that day. I really wanted to see what he grew into because, man, a bunch of the other deer that I knew of grew into, you know, really big, cool deer. So, but you know, I made the choice to stalk him, and 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 he's a great deer, you know, and, and I'm excited about it. But that's it's awesome. going to be another long year. Yeah, no, that's see, that's that's sweet. And I'm trying to think. La- you didn't tell me about last year's buck on our last podcast, did you? 
No, I didn't. Yeah, so if you want to uh, if you want to run us through that one real quick, I'll make it as short as possible, but but also give him the necessary details. But right. So I shot a deer in January, and then I a coos deer in January with my bow, and then I also shot a coos deer in November with a rifle. And uh, I won't say what state I shot either in, just to yeah, just to not try to give up a few a few things. But uh, in January. I just, I shot a buck was honestly like probably the exact size, similar size to the buck I just shot. Mm-hmm. And that deer, I, uh, with my brother and my cousin and, and I don't get to hunt with those two together, especially very often. So it was pretty special. My is one of the few, it might be the only time that I've ever doubled up with some, like two, two people kill archery coos during the same day. But, mm-hmm. uh, my brother, he shot his first archery coos deer that morning and, uh, we got that deer all taken care of. And, uh, my, my brother talked me into going in, into this country to look for a buck that he had been seeing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was really kind of crazy to even go up there that late in the day. I mean, it was probably I don't, one or two o'clock when we decided to go up there, but it's just rough and very vertical. And, uh, but we went up in there and, and, uh, I'll be damned if he wasn't right on that deer was right where he was supposed to be. And, uh, there was a buck, a small buck chasing a doe. Um, you know, where we got up and sat down, started glassing, small buck chased a doe right to us and then kind of chased it up into the bowl that was up above us. And that buck, he just saw that commotion and he comes just stampeding off the off the highest ridge there, and uh, and I'm like, oh geez, I see a big deer, and it's got to be the deer you're talking about. And he and he just kind of comes down into onto the same ridge that we're on. I mean, up the ridge a ways, but I mean, just super fortunate, you know. <laughs> Usually, I'm having to go miles to go to them, and and he came to me. I mean, uh, there was still a small stalk involved, but nothing like even the buck that I shot this year, but. So he ended up coming just, you know, probably three or 400 yards up above us. And, uh, and he just kind of trotted down uh, onto the same ridges. I, I couldn't see him up there, but I knew I felt like he was coming down there to, you know, figure out what activities going on down there. You could see that little buck chasing that doe all over the place. Uh, this was January 15th for, uh, you know, I like knowing those details cause uh, just rutting information, but, uh, so this was January 15th and he, so he runs down and, uh, I start, you know, I start going right to him cause I really didn't have a lot of time left in the day. Uh, so it took us a while to get up in there. Mm-hmm. So it was probably four o'clock at this point. Okay. And, uh, I start, I mean, just beelining straight to him. Um, and then I, as soon as I, you know, I'm getting roughly within a hundred yards of where I'm expecting him to be. The thing is, I don't know where he's at. And I, I very rarely make blind stocks like that, but under this, under these circumstances, it just was the right thing to do. So, uh, I get up to where I had last seen him and, and I, you know, I still don't know if he's on the top of the spine off to the right, off to the left. I just don't know. I, I sort of suspected he, he might've, you know, peeled off down to the left. Cause I thought the way that, that little buck was chasing that doe, they were angling towards kind of crossing over and going to that other, the, the canyon to our left. So I'm, I'm keeping a pretty good eye to the left and, and I'm just not seeing him. And 
Um, and I can see in that canyon pretty good. So I start focusing back to the right, but I, you just can't look into that canyon much. It's like the, the vegetation just gets in the way. So I basically still hunted up that ridge. And uh, I mean, I was just going like really slow, but trying to cover, you know, as much country as I could quietly. And then I saw the little buck that was chasing that doe completely run up and out of there like just got, just left it left the doe and i thought well this guy must have just got ran off or something so i just keep creeping along and then i see a deer's body out in front of me like really close and i probably wouldn't have got away with this but it was it was a little breezy and uh <clears throat> anyways I, I stare at him for a minute and his head's down and then he lifts his head and i realize it's the big buck so I'm, I'm pretty much just, you know, I've got a tree behind me, so I know I'm not skylined. I'm, I just stay still. He puts his head back down and then takes a few steps towards me, like, like directly towards me. <laughs> and, uh, and I know he's under, I know he's, you know, roughly 20 yards. Like I know he's that, he's that close. And, uh, <clears throat> so I was, I didn't even bother range and I was just going to shoot 20 and, and he's literally walking right to me not walking just take like two or three steps kind of with this um, he was feeding and yeah okay and he he lifts his head and and so i don't draw i'm just kind of just dead still he lifts his head and he doesn't look he kind of looks maybe because i'm i'm up above him so he looks kind of you know down in the vicinity of my feet and then he just kind of turns and looks to the left and i just draw really slow and he just never saw me draw and um and then he kind of turns his, he turns his face back towards me, and I just settle that pin right at the top of his chest, right at the base of his neck, and I and I touch it off, and it just buries into him, and, and he, and it like knocks him back, and he drops onto his onto his butt, like mm. a, like sitting down like a dog, and he just falls over. I mean, like he got shot with a rifle, and then and then, I mean, it was so that it was, was the, the end of that. It was a frontal shot. It was a frontal, yeah, per, yeah, yeah, purely frontal. Yeah, I'm like careful to uh, tell people how much I love a frontal shot, especially like on yeah. a podcast where it, it I might, know, man, it, because everybody's got a freaking opinion about everything. And well, I, I personally could care less what people think about yeah. what I'm doing. I just don't want to. Uh, I know there's people listening to that are trying to learn, and and right. I don't want them to think like, man, frontal shots the way to go, and and then maybe. I, I practice with my bow a ton, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm a, I bow hunt, I live for it. That's what I do. So I just been, that's just what I do. And, 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 and even me, I make so many mistakes, but many people just don't have the time or the drive or the motivation to practice that much and become proficient. Mm-hmm. And it's, I was always afraid to, to, uh, Oh yeah, for sure. I, you, I definitely you know. don't promote it. Like I did write an article. It's on my blog. If anybody wants to go check it out on the frontal shot and I kind of go into detail. It's a very situational thing. It's a very, you know, it's all about confidence. So, you know, Creed has confidence in the fact that he's made that shot and that was 20 yards. So, um, you know, and the time that he spends with his bow and understanding his equipment and all that other stuff, that's like, that's what it all boils down to. You, you know, if you're a, I get off one week a year, to go hunting guy and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not making fun of that in any way, shape or form. Unfortunately, you know, you, you, you got to do what your life dictates your life's got to do. Maybe that's not a great shot for you, you know? 
Yeah, I just want like I just want people to understand that you're shooting, and and this is a coos deer, so this is even smaller. But right on most deer, you're shooting at at something the size of you know a grapefruit, roughly. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if you don't hit that, if you don't hit that, if you don't execute that perfectly, well, you, you know, you just put a deer through a ton of misery. Like so, th- you know, that's all. But but it, it is what it is, and, and I love the frontal shot. That's that's just the reality. I, if 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 you're relatively close, you know, and, uh, and, and anyways, that, that was a cool moment. I mean, my brother and my cousin were right down the ridge and, and I, I do a pretty good job of keeping my adrenaline, uh, under control until after I release an arrow and watch it just Same drive way. home. And it just leaves me, you know, and I can't help but just freaking rip a loud scream across the canyon. Like it's just an adrenaline dump. And, uh, you know, and they came up to me and, and it was just a cool moment to have them there. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that was the end of my archery hunting in 2022. And then I did have, you know, I did have a rifle tag and, uh, that was a cool hunt, uh, with some cool people, my cousin, Nick and, and, uh, my buddy Travis and, uh, and Casey and anyways we backpacked into some really rough country and and uh got in there deep and uh very low density but decent quality and uh anyways found this buck before the hunt started and uh you know found him opening day opening morning I mean first thing like he's right where he's supposed to be I mean it's a long ways up in there from where we were glassing and really rough but uh got up in there and and Oh, he bedded in like the perfect spot, um, bedded literally in the same spot that he bedded the day before, like within five yards of the same spot that he bedded the day before. And, uh, anyways, I got up in there and, and I was trying to get, you know, a decent angle to, sh- to find that buck in his bed and then, and then, you know, have a decent shot angle when he stood up or even potentially in his bed. And, uh, uh, Casey was with me and he, uh, you know, he, well, I started glassing across the cannon from me out of habit. Like I knew that, you know, I was within shooting distance of this buck and I just couldn't help it. So I started glassing across the cannon and, and found a really cool buck. And then Casey started looking in that area and he found a totally different buck, just a, like a really gnarly deer mm. and, uh, bladed beams and, and, uh, extras on, you know, underneath each eye guard. And, uh, I call Nick and I was like, Hey, you, you might want to come up here and, and look at this deer. Like I'm pretty sure you'd shoot him. Um, so anyways, he started coming up there and, uh, I was, well, I was over a mile away from him, but, uh, I, anyways, I, I wrapped up a, I, I wanted to get a bet, a different angle on the bedded buck. So mm-hmm. I actually, uh, on the ridge above him went, walked all the way around, um, to the uh, adjacent side of the canyon so I could just see the, his entire hillside. That way, if he stood up and started feeding, I wasn't going to be limited on, on, on a, you know, a shot. I, there was going to be no way he could sneak out of there on me. So uh, wrapped around, got to a spot where we, we couldn't see the deer, but we could see where he was bedded. And, uh, and then the buck that I told Nick to come up and, and take a look at, ended up, in, you know, uh, just bit down underneath us and, uh, he was with five other bucks and he got up and, and milled around and man, this, so this really, really good deer is 
250 yards from me and, and I'm sitting here, you know, basically in my gun, like, man, this deer is very, really tempting. But, the, but I, you know, I went up there for that other buck and, and I was going to stick to that. So, uh, that buck, um, made his way up, uh, to where I had been just, you know, half an hour before. And that buck fed out onto a slope, uh, and Nick shot him at, at 500 yards and dropped him. And, uh, Right about that time, I could, you know, the sun shifted just enough in the sky to where I could actually start seeing penetrating into some of that deep shadow where that buck was bedded Mm -hmm. and I could see his antlers. So I knew uh, pretty quickly that if I just moved 50 yards, I was going to be able to actually shoot him in his bed. So uh, Nick had shot and I was getting nervous. This buck, you know, Nick was probably six, 700 yards down the canyon. So I, uh, I moved and and uh could see this deer my deer bedded i could see you know i could see a window the size of about a softball at uh, at a 250 yards so i just set up and and shot him in his bed and he just he died in his bed Hmm. and it was a really cool experience within five minutes we shot uh two really good deer you know in the same canyon you know just way back in this low density like like uh these deer in this area just live in little pockets like a few ridges will have some, and then, you know, maybe a mile away, a few ridges will have a few more. And, 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 uh, anyways, so we, you know, we found this little pocket with these deer and we killed the two best bucks in those drainages that we knew of. And just a re- really cool experience, really rough back out, but that was the end of it for me. And then, and then really to top that last year all off, Nick, uh, he had actually a December tag, hmm. December rifle tag. And we, and we just found a great buck and you know I, I could talk about these hunts for hours so i don't want to take <laughs> no you're fine man I'm, i I love it too i'd love to hear about it so we, well we pushed way back we were just gonna day hunt but we pushed way back into some rough country and uh started looking and this was really the only day i was gonna be able to hunt with nick and he had just a few days after after i had to hunt but uh you know there's a storm rolling in so he was a little concerned about that and uh, anyways, we just, we pushed back into some rough country. We didn't feel like anybody was rifle hunting that year. And, you know, pretty early on in the morning, we found two really good deer, like one, and they were in the same, the same bowl, like the same drainage. And, uh, one deer was just really wide, like one of the widest deer I've ever seen. I, I would, it would not shock me if this deer was probably 19 inches wide and mm. just, just short tines. And, uh, Nick was really, you know, thinking hard about that buck. And then in the same drainage was a really solid deer. Um, honestly, probably like very, very similar to the deer I just shot with my bow in January and, uh, just a, a great, a great buck and just both typical three points. And, uh, he, you know, he stayed put and was just keeping an eye on those deer. We we're just going to watch them until they bedded. He, I think he would have shot either, but he hadn't really committed to it. And, uh, they were too far to shoot and it was too rough to get over there. It would take us probably an hour and a half to get within shooting distance of them. So just because of the, the, how vertical that stuff was and rocky and there were bluffs underneath us. So anyways, I came over to the other side of the ridge and started glassing and, uh, and man, I just picked up this just tank. I mean, just one of the coolest deer I've seen to this day. And, uh, I could just tell he just had these massive main beams that just kind of rolled forward and then 90 degrees turned straight down towards his face. Just like 
the tips of his main beams just hung right over his snout. It was it's it just really crazy deer. So uh, that deer, we got to look at him for maybe, I called Nick over, we got to look at him for maybe five minutes at maybe a mile and a quarter away. And, uh, and he just rolled right over into this really deep canyon on the north face of it. And uh, so we had a decision to make. It was probably maybe 9.30 at this point. Mm-hmm. So we had two deer right across the canyon from us, um, you know, probably 1,200 yards away, but they were in a bowl where we were just going to be able to kill either one of them. I mean, that's just anything could have gone wrong, but very high likelihood of killing either one of them where they were at. Uh, we just needed to get over there. and Or this deer where the likelihood of finding him down in that giant canyon uh, was going to be very difficult purely because of how physical it was going to be to get an angle to look into that stuff and then how big it is. I mean, that, that big North face that he walked on, uh, that Canyon, you know, that Canyon runs for miles. It's huge. So, you know, surely he wasn't going to go for miles, but Mm -hmm. there's so many cuts and pockets and, you know, they just disappear if you don't disappear, if you can't keep an eye on them. So we, you know, we talked about it and, and I, basically told him i think he'd be crazy not to go give every effort to try to find this deer again and get him killed and even if it you know even if i'm not there for the next you know three or four days that he has to hunt so we went back and forth it's a tough decision you know like essentially a gimme deer on a deer that is you know 105 inches or better Hmm. um right across the canyon from us or go after this freak and uh, that we very well may never see again and and uh Anyways, he made the decision, the right decision, to go look for that other buck. So we made the trek across uh, across that stuff and, and got, you know, an angle to look into that stuff. And and uh, just like a gift from God, found embedded. And, uh, and then once we found embedded, we were probably 1,100 yards from him. And uh, so too far to shoot and, and then and then just too windy to be, be taking long shots anyway it was there's a pretty stiff wind so we man it was it was it took some thinking to, to get within shooting distance of this thing because of where he was better the canyon is so big and wide that we so we actually uh finally made a decision to just go down into the canyon um that he was you know he was bedded on the on the north face of the canyon so the south side of the canyon mm-hmm. and uh like typically you want to be basically the same elevation of them if possible, just so you can see them. And it just, man, if we tried to do that, we were going to be a thousand yards away from them again. So we actually made it. I stayed put just to make sure he didn't get up and leave. And Nick, uh, he bailed off into that Canyon and just found a spot down in the bottom that he could see him at like 600 yards. So, uh, once he got put and he could see him bedded, then I packed up and, and I bailed off and, 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 uh, actually leapfrogged him just a little bit looking for a closer spot with a better angle and we could actually shoot him in his bed and uh and i found a good spot we at 515 yards so nick made his way to me and then uh got him all set up and it was a really difficult shot straight up you know how that how hard that can be because there's nothing to rest your gun on you know and then to get a rear rest uh you know, you can't, it's not like they make, they don't make Phoenix shooting bags that big. <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately so, not. Yeah. Um, so 
anyways, we finally got him locked in and in and, and a, and a position where he was really comfortable. And man, that sun just was right in line with the deer. And he just never could see the deer in his bed. Mm. And uh, after 15 minutes of trying to get his scope shaded and that deer stood up and stretched and instantly started walking. Oh. Like he walked 40 yards and he, and he was about to go into a, a strip of vegetation that, uh, that rolled into a ravine and man, we likely may not have seen him again without having to make a big move. And, and man, just, just barely, uh, probably 20 yards before he hit that thick patch of brush. Nick says, I see him. And I said, okay, you know, do you want me to stop him? And he didn't answer because, you know, he had earplugs in and I, I just, whatever, I'm stopping him. So I kind of, kind of whooped at him and, and, uh, he stopped like one step from being, having brush cover him up and, uh, and, and there was a stiff wind through the Canyon, but we were, we were down in the bottom of the Canyon, so we couldn't measure the wind. And obviously, and there was no wind where he was at. So we really had no way to, 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 tell to measure the effect, wind. Affect the yeah. Bullet. So we, so we took a guess. We, um, what we thought the wind was going to be. And, and we ran the data. We, ex, we kind of expected seven inches of wind drift. So, uh, we had determined that Nick was going to hold, you know, at the back rib at the last rib and, uh, and he shoots and that bullet hits the deer like in the front of the shoulder blades and uh like at the base of the neck and man that that thing took off running and then stayed on his feet for probably 40 seconds which felt like 40 minutes and and i was convinced the deer wasn't going to die from it wasn't going to die from that shot so i'm trying to get him back on the deer and then the deer falls down and then he stands back up and then he falls down again. And then and he never stood back up. So, oh. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, exhilarating in a good way and a bad way. It, it was, it was stressful, but anyways, we got up to that deer and, and he was special, uh, special deer. You know, you can see him on my Instagram or, or, uh, or Nick's Instagram, but he just a cool, cool, unique deer and, and living in some rough country and, Man, just a great way to end the year, 2022. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, Charles and I made a decision that, uh, and I do this to myself often, and it might go out the window, but <laughs> I, I want to get a, I want to get a big coos. But you know, I've guided. I don't even know. And I, I say I don't even know it's not that many, but I've guided more than a handful of big coos bucks for other people. The biggest being one nineteen. Wow! And I've never killed a coos deer over a hundred inches myself. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 crazy. It, like, it, well, well, it's I've, not. I mean, I've it's killed, crazy, but it's not that crazy. <laughs> I've killed. Let's see five bucks with my bow and i think um at least seven with the rifle and not a single one my biggest is like 94 or 95 inches i think well you know john i i know some <laughs> phenomenal hunters like some phenomenal well, hunters I, that have never broken that hundred inch mark it, it's uh and it's not because it's, i don't see them man like i don't like i don't know like i've 
especially during the bow season, I've had, oof, I've had some really freaking like 2017, 18 and 19. I had some smokers that I just had dialed in and I just, for some reason or another, I could not make it happen. And I, or I couldn't put the amount of time needed to make it happen for myself. Like I was spending a lot of time hunting that, that particular time I had a lot of clients that I was actually guiding myself, which I try not to honestly try not to guide that many myself anymore. But yeah, that, that has a lot to do with it. And the other thing is I got a freaking itchy trigger finger, man. Like I have a hard time looking at a 90 inch buck and going, I'm not going to shoot this thing. You know, unless I got like some exceptional tag, which I never do because I don't, you know, I now I've been the last like seven years I've been building points here in Arizona. So now I think I'm at the point that I might actually just try for a strip tag. But um, so that's definitely not going to be a coos deer. But, you know, I don't know. It's geez, man. So. In my head, next year, I think I want to, if I can apply enough time where I know it's not like, hey, I got five, six days to hunt in January for myself, I think I'm going to try and get myself a nice goose buck. But again, it's going to be hard. If I see a 90-inch buck with my bow, I'm definitely with my bow, I'm going to try to go. I mean, my biggest biggest bow buck is right at 90. I think I don't. Well, even... you you gotta find you gotta find a, a good friend, and you gotta, you know, just just purely spot and stock and glass, and you gotta let him hold on to your release, yeah, or your quiver. <laughs> let him hold on to your quiver there until you, you find a buck. There you that... go. Yeah. Well, that shouldn't be too hard because everybody I hunt with wants to go after everything they see. So <laughs> I I don't I don't I mean I don't really hunt with. Uh, I hunt with friends and family. Like I hunt with family more than anything. I got a couple of close friends that I hunt with, and Charles is one of them. But he just started hunting coos deer, so I don't think this would only be his third third try at, uh, at in Arizona. Uh, ne- you know, next season, and I, I doubt I doubt he's going to uh, shy away from shooting any seventies or eighties. You know, so yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I just got to. I just got to do it, I guess. Um, I just got to set out, set away this, set aside the time to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, to you and everybody else listening, you, everybody owes it to themselves to, to go out and do whatever it takes to shoot one, like really, it, it doesn't have to score a hundred inches, but just big seven, six, seven, eight year old coos deer is is just the most satisfying thing to walk up on mm-hmm. uh you know something that you arrowed uh just uh man they're, they're, and, and 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 the difference between a three-year-old deer and a six or seven-year-old deer is is just it's dramatic i mean they're just built so different just like a billy goat with legs you know billy goat with antlers just uh man i yeah uh, I'm I'm just I hate talking about big old coos here because then I regret not having a tag. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing those stories with us, and um, we'll definitely keep in touch. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John, and and good luck to you the rest of the year. Same to you. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. 
really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.